Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy this story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward to speaking today with Lynn Lim. Lynn is a lawyer by background and in 1998 became the first Asian woman partner at a New Zealand national law firm. She has over 30 years of legal practice, specialising in commercial, corporate and governance issues. In the last 13 years, Lynn has taken on a wide range of governance roles across both the private and public sectors. Now, there are too many roles to list them all here, but they include currently sitting on the boards of General Capital, Restaurant Brands and being a trustee on the Asia New Zealand Foundation. And in the 2017 New Year's Honours, Lynn was appointed as a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit for her services to New Zealand Asia relations and governance. And on a personal level, Lynn believes that success is about much more than just the financials. It's about the greater good for our communities and about making the world a better place. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about Lynn's career today. Kia ora, Lynn. Thank you very much for joining me. Kia ora, Anna. Lovely. Well, the first question I had for you is I'd love to hear back when you were growing up, maybe when you were a child or even as you were getting into your teenage years, what were you thinking about, dreaming about or even aspiring to in terms of your career? That seemed a long time ago. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, mainly is to, well, it seemed to be a very sort of a good career to have to help people and at the same time have enough money to, you know, to make enough money to live. I grew up in Malaysia. We didn't really have a lot of career choice well, from my family perspective. At the times of growing up, it's sort of a driven to have a professional degree. And I think that's kind of culturally driven. I can imagine. And you said you were thinking maybe about being a doctor, but in the end you ended up studying law. So what was it about that that, you know, that moved you down that legal path? Oh, when I arrived in New Zealand, the medical school was not open to overseas students. So that path was, I mean, cut off, <laughs> simple as that. And the other career that was available and encouraged at that time, which was commerce or engineering, wasn't two views that I was particularly interested in. So I thought, oh yeah, I'll try law. That, and it was just by, by luck, <laughs> with not a lot of thoughts into it. <laughs> and then as you've got into it though, some people study law, but then end up not using it that much. You of course studied law and then spent your career practicing as a lawyer. What is it as you've got into law that you have really enjoyed? I like the fact that I get different cases all the time. So it wasn't boring. And I like my clients and I like the people I work with. So what was most rewarding for me is that I know that all my files are different and circumstances different. And that kept me sort of occupied out of mischief. <laughs> out of mischief, I like the way you put that. And if you think to those first few years of your career then, what were some of the highlights of that time, but also maybe some of the challenges? Um, well, my first highlight was when I first appeared before a district court judge and and I knew that was my first case and I tried really, really hard prepared, you know, 
days and night for it. And the and the, and the judge actually wrote in his judgment how much he liked my submission and how I presented very clearly. And I thought that was such an encouraging thing for him to say. That was like highlight year year one or two. So that was really good. And the other one was when my supervising partner gave me a corporate client file to run on my own, which at that time was unheard of. I think most partners tend to keep corporate clients to themselves. So yeah, those two things would highlight challenges <laughs> will be actually trying to fit in because Western culture is a foreign culture to me. So I didn't have a role model or have any idea as to what's right or what's appropriate or what's why are people doing these things so and carrying a cultural barrier that was hard like in asian culture we were supposed to be modest about our achievement that's not the case in western culture you tend to kind of speak about that you know you take credit for the work that you do and i i found it really really hard in the first few years i was waiting to be recognized and and then some and when i was not i wasn't sure it was because I was not good enough, or and then subsequently I just realised actually I haven't, you know, spoken up about it. So yeah. Mm, and how did you navigate your way through? I guess trying to develop that cultural understanding, or yeah, how, how did you navigate your way through that time? Not having a role model means I sure was copying all sorts of behaviour, good or bad. <laughs> so whenever I see someone do something, I thought, oh, yeah, okay, maybe that's the way it's done here. So I should try to emulate that or copy that. Yeah, there's a lot of copying going on. In terms of behaviours, in terms of speaking up, in terms of a bit more assertive, but unless it's demonstrated, it's really hard to know what to copy. So if I see someone doing something that I like, I thought, oh, this is how they get ahead, then yes, I'll copy that sort of behaviour, which not necessarily always a good thing, I would have to say. Mm, What makes you say that? Well, I've become far more aggressive than I need to be. (laughs) And also, I will suppress uh, or hide some of my more natural behavior because that's not valued or that's not um, seen or or taken seriously in that sense. Yeah. Mm, What an interesting reflection around almost kind of bringing yourself to work or, or being authentic and the challenges of that and from a from a cultural lens also in terms of fitting in at the same time. Yeah. It, it, it definitely at the start of my career, that was quite difficult. Trying to kind of know where I fit in. Um, it's, it's a big law firm that I used to work for, and there are lots of law clerks all trying to prove themselves and get on the career path. So it was com- quite competitive. And, and I just have to navigate my way through that. Yeah. And you obviously managed to navigate it reasonably successfully because you, of course, were made partner at a, at a pretty young age. How did that feel at the time? Very satisfying. <laughs> Very satisfying because I think uh, at the very start of my career, I have quite a lot of challenges in in terms of like how I'm supposed to dress, how you know to speak. So to know that I was made a partner, I could be made a partner. That was quite satisfying actually. Yeah, but I was also very tenacious though. I mean, I, I, when I sort of got my my mind onto something and that's a career path I wanted. I want to be an associate. I want to be a senior associate, and I want to be a partner. Can be a bit like a a bit of a tunnel vision and that's that's what I wanted to achieve. I <laughs> just go for it. Yeah, so very focused, as you say, tenacious, determined to get there. And then as you look back at your legal career more broadly, what have been some of the highlights of that along the way? What I've learned from my legal career is that is to have more confidence in myself and 
actually have less fear. I, I have a great fear of failing. It might be a sort of face-saving thing, a cultural thing, because if you fail, you lose face. And also to learn that actually there are people within the profession that was ready to help me, and I just need to recognize that as well. Learn to know that people were trying to help me, as, as, as opposed to being a bit suspicious about what their intentions were. Two wonderful learnings. And I mean, in my work coaching women, I have to say a, a lot come with a fear of failing, and it's not an easy one to work through. How have you helped to lessen that fear for yourself? I guess, well, the way I do it is that the worst scenario, I always play the worst scenario. The worst scenario if I appear in court like a total adult not knowing what I'm doing, and that means that I will over-prepared. I tend to over-prepared on a lot of things, and I think that's what it is, preparation, research, preparation, 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 really, and then speaking to people who are more experienced than me. And I remember talking to my supervising partner about my fear of appearing in court because speaking in English is not my English is not my first language to start. And then to do court work is also very unnatural because it's public speaking. So I remember talking to my supervising partner that I always you know, I always have this seizing out of my stomach at a fear of like speaking in public before I turn out. And he said to me, actually that's very natural. He felt that too and he's a very senior practitioner. He felt that too and he told me that that's natural and that's good because you'll be on uh, adrenaline and you'll be wanting to perform. So I kind of took his word for it and thought that's normal <laughs> and live with it. And I think sometimes that is the case that some of those nerves or fears can, as you said, maybe make you prepare more, but also sometimes flipping that nerves around to saying, okay, maybe that's just the adrenaline that's going on because, well, maybe it's a little bit of excitement going on as well can can help rebalance the situation or just simply, as you said, just simply stepping in and doing the situation can make it feel a bit less scary in itself. And I think more, the more you practice, or the more I practice appearing in court, the more confidence I've got. And I've, I was lucky, my partner, my supervising partner at that time was pretty much a hands-off kind of person. And he's like, you know, well, single swim with it. So it's good, and it's also not so good. If, But it pretty much means that I would just need to turn up and just do it. And if I didn't do very well, then fault by my own for not preparing that well for the questions that's going to come up. So, yeah. And I think sometimes actually just doing the thing that we're afraid of. And the more you do it, as you say, the easier it gets or the less scary it gets, certainly. Then you obviously have moved in more recent years. So in the last sort of 10, 15 years, you've moved more into governance. What was the reasoning for you for making that transition? I guess because I've moved up to partnership and it was always a question of like, what's next for me? I like being challenged. I like something that's interesting. I find it quite difficult to do the same thing again and again because I'll get bored. So when someone offered and said, would you like to take on a trustee role in a not-for-profit organisation? I said, oh, well, why not? I've not done it before. I'm not sure what was required. Probably in hindsight, should have done more research about it. But I just say, oh, yeah, why not? Let's try that. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and from that one, I thought I actually quite enjoyed, you know, being in the governance role. It's slightly different. You're not as hands-on. You're more in a sort of strategy space, you know, direction space, and and then I got on to another one, another one, and yeah, yeah, I am. It's gone from there. What is it that you enjoy about being a director? Well, I actually like being on the board because with different organisations, because I learn a lot of different things. I mean, I've been on tertiary board, public trust, and now with commercial boards, they are all 
different organization with different problems and and I find it quite satisfying to apply skill sets that I didn't know I have, which is kind of interesting because people ask me to describe what skill sets I have, and it's actually quite difficult to describe, I find, anyway. Um, but I, I get quite focused and, and I, I like a challenge, I like problem solving. So, so with these organizations sitting on a board, the ability to affect or direct a change, that's, I think that's the best thing about it. Mm, fantastic. And I can imagine also you talked about from your legal career, actually really enjoying the variety, different clients, different situations, different problems. The same thing, I'm sure, in your board roles with all the different organizations that you've worked with. There's always going to be different challenges and new things to learn as you as you go through. Yeah, because you wear different hats. I mean, even currently my organizations, they are, they are, they are on the board on, uh, they are very, very different. So I, I go to one meeting, will be about Chicken, and I go to another meeting will be about finance, and that meeting will be about Asian relation, and then that meeting will be about funding. So they are quite different, different roles, but even though they are kind of different work, I can still apply uh, the skills that I have. So I, I like that. Yeah, I like the way you talk it. One, one's about chicken, one's about <laughs> financial services. There's, there's, there's definitely a lot of variety. You've got to be able to, as you say, wear different hats. We'll be able to switch quite, quite quickly to different areas. We talked about perhaps some of those early challenges that you had along the way. If you look back at your, your career to date, what have been some of the tougher career challenges or, or moments that you've faced? To actually know when something is wrong and to speak up or to not do it, or to continue to uh, to stop doing it. I think that is, that is well, wrong is not in legally wrong, but I felt it was wrong morally for me. So, and it's not even ethically wrong. It's just that I have questioned about the values of doing that. And to, to, to get to, to have the maturity of saying, actually, I don't want to do this, quite, quite tough. <laughs> Very tough. How have you been able to do that in a way, I guess, that's still maintains maybe relationships or maintains your reputation there's there's there might be some other fears going on when you're raising some of those things that you feel are, are morally not quite right how have you handled those situations it was interesting I think I mentioned before at the start of my career I tend to hide who I am and just sort of copy what I think is the right way to progress through my career as I grew older and have children, I started thinking, actually, some of the things I do or, or seem to be doing is not what I want to be remembered for. And I learned from the swim or sink method, and I applied that to a number of my staff members as well. But later, I actually thought that this is not very good because a number of my staff members were women. And they probably need, I actually recognize that they actually need more support and encouragement than I used to have. So if I'm going to apply what I learned to, you know, how, when I have my staff member, that's not right. They need a bit more support. But also speaking up for them, because I was a partner then, speaking up for them, even though the others may have a different view, and speak up and be the lone voice. So those are sort of the, the I want to be accepted when I'm in a group. And it's very difficult to kind of say, actually, this is not right. And I'm going to be this lone voice because to say, this is not right. And got to do it differently. Mm. And kind of hold your ground on that. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. And sometimes I kind of thought, oh, yeah, I'm not going to die in the ditch with this one. But sometimes I'm quite stubborn. So I harp on about it. Mm-mm. And the older I get, I think the more persistent I get about what's right and what's wrong. I think as, the, as we get a bit older, we care a little bit less what other people think of us, don't I we? Think, I think that's right. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that's right. And and also, I think it's also about confidence. Like I, I'm just thought, I, I, I actually thought, wow, this is who I am and take it or leave it kind of thing. Mm. You talked almost as part of that reflection process about starting to think, well, what is the, the legacy that I want to leave or what do I want to be known for? What things have come up for you when you've been thinking about those questions? Well, I left my full-time law practice about 18 months now and I thought that I was, going to, I was going to take a year off and then go back into it. But then COVID hits and I kind of took the time to kind of rethink where I want to be. Um, and then we have the mosque attack. And I was sort of thinking about the world that I left behind, which is Malaysia. And I kind of live here. And I thought, actually, New Zealand is a country where it's been great for me. It's very accepting for me. And I want it to be a country that my children will grow up and come back. We know they'll leave, or not, not not at the moment, but they, they'll leave the country and then they will come back and brought up, bring up the children here. But I'm worried about social cohesion. Uh, it's kind of a funny thing to say. I'm worried about inclusion. And I know that this is sort of like the current word. Um, I'm worried about diversity. So these are the things that kind of I worry about. And, and so I'm just trying to kind of channel my work along that sort of, general heading, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. And I think it's it, it's an interesting point in time when you look at other countries in the world, I guess kind of the UK and the US being potentially examples where actually society has become a bit more divided or along certain lines where actually maybe the opportunity, as you said, for New Zealanders, how can we create a more cohesive and inclusive society when we are an incredibly diverse nation? Yeah, we are. We, we, I mean, particularly in Auckland, we are very, very diverse. You walk down Queen Street, you hear all sorts of languages, not just Asian languages. You hear Russian, East European languages. It is incredibly diverse. And But that's the beautiful thing about it, that we are so diverse, we get along, and then suddenly you have something that kind of say, well, gosh, this is not New Zealand. Mm. That, that was a real surprise. So with their time, with their knowledge, or they're prepared to share and they're prepared to give me a hands up. So so I always feel that I need to do that for other people because I have received and I should go. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. And where do you see your career now heading in the future, Lynn? Not sure at the moment. <laughs> I, I have got a few things um, that I'm trying to work out where I want to be. So because I have put social cohesion and inclus- in, you know, inclusivity in, in my kind of like things to do so I'm sort of looking for a role which I can push that along or, or, or be involved in that the other option is to be more purposeful about my next role actually so yeah the, so more more governance role I think I'd like to have another commercial role but by the same time it has to be a commercial role that will fit my purpose and life Mm, super. So definitely that purpose kind of coming through strongly. And one last question that I'd have for you is what career advice would you have for other women? Well, in my the, the start of my career is to, I would say, take out all the training and development opportunity that you're given and because they do help. And if you're not given training or development opportunity, ask for it. Don't be shy and, and don't be afraid. I mean, it's easy to be afraid and say, no, I don't think I can do it. I have imposter syndrome. Yes, it can be very scary, but it can also be very rewarding. To Yeah, wonderful, wonderful advice. And that almost goes back to you at the start of your career, those times where actually you were 
quite scared about doing some things, appearing in court, but actually that, that was hugely rewarding as you went through through your career that stepping into some of that fear has, has made a big difference. Lynn, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you today and to hear more about your career and your journey along the way. That kind of, I guess, persistence and determination and tenacity that went through the start, but almost those reflections as you have moved through your career about your identity and who you are and the impact that you want to have and the legacy that you want to leave as well. So thank you very much for sharing that. Thanks for talking to me. (laughs) It's a pleasure. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.